So today I'm going to talk on the fourth part of the series, uh, Confidence Stretches. And I want to start off with this. Um, I, I think that every one of us in this room, when we were born, we were probably either maybe 19, 20, 21, 22 inches long. Does anybody remember how long you were at birth? The whole row there knows, okay. Did you guys know this ahead of time? Let's just say that you all were about 20 inches long. I remember my son Dylan, he was 21 and 3 quarters inches long, 9 pounds. You think 9 pounds looks thick? Not when you're 21 and 3 quarter inches long, look like a long spider. It's it real long. He's like, oh my gosh. And so, but, you know, aren't, why didn't you stay 21 inches long? What? Oh, you grew. Okay, okay, good. I'm trying to get that. You're educating me now. So as you grew, you stretched up, right? And then you kept stretching, you kept growing. And then you get to that place, and you know, uh, ladies, you grew tall by the time you were in junior high, and us guys wait till high school, because remember in junior high, guys, you look at girl, I like you. Remember you look at the girl like, remember, remember those days? And you'd be with your girlfriend like this, holding her hand and stuff like that, and... Get a kink in your neck, you know. She'd pat you on the head, you know. <laughs> I could go on and on. But, uh, but then there, you caught up, guys, and then as you hit your limit in height. And then if you're older like me, how many of you notice that you start to decrease in height? Has anyone noticed about that? Stuff? I've noticed it about me. I, I, I think I'm nearing one inch in height. I used to be like 6'9". And <laughs> what's so funny about that? I missed a week and you guys are the same? I mean, and, and so, but, I've no, <laughs> but I noticed that I, I'm decreasing in height. But let me tell you, as it is in the physical, it's not that way in the spiritual or the inner person. You know, the New Testament teaches that even though the outer man is decaying day by day, the inner man, well, that person is growing and flourishing and renewing and expanding. And that should be true of all of our lives. That there should be a stretch to us. We, just because we cap and the physical start to decrease, we should not stop stretching out in our spiritual experiences and faith risk-taking, etc., etc. Let me show you something, and then let me pose this to you at the end of these two verses. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. The writer of this is Paul, and for those of you who are just joining us in these recent weeks, Paul used to be a, a hater of Christians, wasn't a Christian. He used, his job assignment was murder Christians, and he was very adept at that. Until one day, he's encountered by the resurrected Jesus, changes his whole life. He becomes a Christian, and he writes a lot of the New Testament, and he plants churches all around the Mediterranean Rim right there. So a real change in both uh, biblical New Testament scholars, not people on the internet, scholars and atheistic scholars agreed that something did happen in this man's life because of what he was historically before and how his life changed, just that we on the Bible side of it agree it's the resurrection. They on the atheist side, they don't think Jesus rose from the dead, but everybody agrees something happened of this guy okay so he writes this he says and he put all things in subjection under his feet did I say subjection you know is that what I did I'm gone a week and I can't talk but and he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head this Jesus gave him his head over all things to the church church is not a building church is people which is his body we are the body of Christ the fullness of him Jesus who fills all in all huh Here's the thing, as a follower of Christ, I'm the, I, I'm in the, I walk in the fullness of Jesus, right? Yes. Right on that one? Yes. So, so if I'm walking in the fullness of Jesus, the real question is, 
Am I fully living? If I'm walking in the fullness of Jesus and, I have, and I'm part of the fullness of Jesus, am I fully living? You know, am I stretching? Am I experiencing what God wants me to experience as we'll see in the life of David today as we've been seeing in we, these past weeks? So hold the thought on stretching there. Am I fully living? We're going to come back to that at the very end of this message. And we're going to visit the two foundational verses with the foundational ideas and the statement. And I, these are the only two verses I will ask you to read today. And sometimes I forget and make you read another one. So don't, don't write me a card, okay? Um, here we go. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name. So the foundational first piece we said is identity. That I am a child of God. As a follower of Christ, I am, I am a child of God. Listen, if you're not a follower of Christ, you still are created in the image and likeness of God, and therefore you have identity. Never forget that. You are a somebody because of God. The second foundational piece is Matthew 28, 20. Would you read that with me? Teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So God is always with us. The Holy Spirit lives in a follower of Christ. Therefore, wherever I go, the Holy Spirit's there. Did anybody go to Home Depot yesterday? Any raise your hand? Raise your hand if you went to Home Depot. Okay, you went to Home Depot yesterday? Guess what? The Holy Spirit was there because he came in with you. Am I right? That's right. Wherever you go, the Holy Spirit's there. So that's the presence of God. So identity and the presence of God, that is foundational in this series and in life to live in a life that is a confident lifestyle. Now, our statement has been this, confidence is no accident. And it isn't. You can develop confidence if you're a very insecure person, doubt yourself, feel like you don't have what it takes, you always wonder where you stand in relationships, does he love me, does she love me? You know how it goes, any amens on that one right there? So, but you can gain confidence, you can grow in confidence in your life, you're looking at a living example of that right there. I, I grew in confidence, I was a very insecure person growing up. I know it's hard for you to believe that. No, I'm just joking. But, um, so we went from there to the foundation and we said after that that there was preparation and David killed both the lion and the, and the bear. So there's preparation. He got to this point. I was walking through Walmart about, I don't know, a week ago, 10 days ago to get something there. I don't know, I think I ran out of deodorant or something. How many of that's a crisis right there? And so I went there to get that and uh, there was a father and a mother, 10-year-old boys, about a 6-year-old boy and they were in the camping section as I walked there, the one in Ontario and the 10-year-old boy is holding a hatchet. He says, Dad, can you buy me this hatchet? And the dad wisely says, No, put it back, okay? You know, how many of that was a wise move right there? Because who knows if he's going to kill his younger brother or something like that. He's not prepared to handle that kind of stuff yet. And in life, preparation is a, has a lot to do with confidence because some of you are, are very good at preparing so you walk in the situation, you're very confident, right? And that's what David, I killed the lion, the bear, I'm gonna kill this guy too. And then from there, last Sunday, we had Charlie talked about passion. Passion crushes critical spirits and criticism, right? And how many know that when you step out or you announce that you're gonna do something that the critics come out, do they not? By the way, a critical lifestyle, if you're criticizing and condemning people, and I know you're not because you're all beautiful people, but in Psalm chapter 1, it says the criticizer is not a blessed person. Not a blessed person at all. The scoffer, which means criticizer, is not a blessed person. So you don't want to live that kind of life. But passion crushes criticism because everybody's criticizing David at the front line, but the guy runs at Goliath. He's filled with passion. And so now we come to the place of stretching. 
stretching. Now, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're going to read there the story. And while you're turning there, if you don't have a Bible or, or you have Bi- don't have a Bible app, it's going to be up on the screen for you. I'll try to make it easy for you. But here's a thought that I have for you, and I tested it out in first service. Nobody got angry with me, so I'm going to test it again in second service, okay? So uh, how many of you have given birth naturally? I heard that. Here we go. Oh. Because somebody in first service goes, oh, yeah. Okay, you gave her natural. So I'm going to ask a personal question. Don't raise, don't say yes. And don't, just not inside your brain, okay? How many has stretch marks? <laughs> ben, you're a guy. <laughs> I always knew there was a problem with the ushers in this church, you know? Okay, well, here's, here's the thing. If a person, if you tell me, well, I am a very confident person, show me your stretch marks. Show me where you stretched and birthed something new. Show me the recent stretch marks where you stepped out if you're that confident in life, especially as a follower of Christ where the Spirit of God keeps nudging you and pushing you and going to step out in new places. Any amens on that one? That's a scary life, huh? but it's a great life, isn't it? Okay, so 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 20 says this. I'm going to read 12 verses. I'm going to uh, do some commentary so I can build up into the four points today. Verse 20 says, So David arose early in the morning and left the flock Uh, with a keeper and took the supplies and went as Jesse had commanded him and he came to the circle of a camp while the army was going out in battle array shouting a war cry so he's bringing food to the front line for his brothers and for King Saul I I think earlier earlier in the chapter he was bringing like pepperoni pizzas or it was something like that and so everybody's in battle array and they're shouting we're going to go to war we're going to go fight all the army he's just a young kid coming to the battle line bringing food Israel and the Philistines drew up in battle array, army against army. So you have on the one side the Philistines in battle array, you have the Israeli army, and the other side of which David is coming to bring food to the Israeli army, three of which are his brothers. Verse 22, Then David left his baggage in the care of the baggage keeper. I love statements like this, because if you couple 22 with verse 20, where it says, David left the flock with the keeper. In other words, he was responsible enough to make sure somebody's guarding that. And in verse 22, he leaves the baggage in somebody else's care. He's responsible with that. He's just not shucking his responsibility to move to something else. It's a very wise, uh, character-driven person. And he ran to the battle line and entered in order to greet his brother. So he runs to the front line, not to fight. He's going to bring the food. As he was talking with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine from Gath, named Goliath, was coming up from the army of the Philistines. So here comes this big dude. He's over nine feet tall. And he spoke these same words, and David heard them. That was a bad move on Goliath's part, okay? Because it's been okay for Goliath up until this day. This is 40 days Goliath has been taunting the armies. And that day, David is there and he hears the guy say something. That's bad news because you have 17-year-old David who had his prom last night. He's got his corsage on. He's like, what'd that guy say? Oh, no, oh, no, uh-uh. So he heard him. When all the men of Israel saw the man, they fled. Notice they saw the man and they fled. Not David. They fled from him and were greatly afraid. Now notice verse 24. The men of Israel said, Have you... What? Have you seen the man? Oh, so er, previous verse, they saw the man and ran. And now they're saying, Have you seen the man? Do we walk by faith or walk by sight? Walk by faith. Because if you walk by sight only, circumstance will dictate to you to step back, run away, not step out, because you're going to run by circumstances instead of the living God who is everywhere and you have identity and you walk by faith in Him, not by sight. Any amens on that right there? You could tithe on that again, all right? Okay, good. Have you seen the man who is coming up? Surely he is coming up to defy, to defy Israel. Uh, 
and it will be here it is and it will be they're just telling the story and it will be that the king king Saul will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel in other words you go fight the guy one on one because that's what Goliath wants one on one you get riches you get to marry the king's daughter and you don't have to pay taxes for the rest of your life how many of you no matter how big the giant is if you never had to pay taxes again you go fight the guy you'd be running around like meep meep and going you know you'd be doing your thing whatever you're going to do okay that was three stooges by the way how many grew up stooges fans my people all right verse 26 then David spoke to the men who were standing by him saying what will be done for the man who kills the Philistines so David's asking the question and takes away the reproach from Israel and then he says this David does for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of a living God I love that line verse 27 the people answered him in accord with this word with this word saying thus it will be done for the man who kills him and they reiterate what was in verse uh, 25 now Eliab this is David's oldest brother who Samuel remember last chapter thought this guy should be king now Eliab his oldest brother heard when he spoke to the men and Eliab's anger burned against David now he's getting angry at his little brother David for asking the question and he said why have you come down and with whom have you left those few sheep in the world in other words I know you got wrong motives why are you here and you've shucked your responsibility you left no one in charge of the sheep I know your insolence and the wickedness of your heart see you got an evil heart David there's evil inside you for you have come down in order to see the battle you just come down to make fun of us here's what David says but David said what have I done now was it not just a question you ever notice some people no matter what you do they're going to go at you and react and accuse you of all kinds of things you ever notice that right there you ever notice that just a few of you don't be one of these people like oh I know why you're here you don't know anything about that person okay quit criticizing this guy honestly wants to go fight him wants to step up in life and we're going to criticize him but David just says it was just a question and then verse 30 is the great move of David he says then he turned away from him to another here's what he does his brother okay so what will be given to the man who kills him I love that because he's not going to spend time with the critical spirits don't spend time with them Uh, 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 and he turned away from him to another and said the same thing and the people answered the same thing as before verse 31 when the words which David spoke were heard they told them to Saul Saul's the king and he sent for him so they go hey Saul there's this young boy with a corsage on in a tuxedo with the ruffles on from last night he says I'll go fight the guy and so Saul says bring him here because nobody else is going to fight him verse 32 David says to Saul let no man's heart fail on account of him in other words I know you're all peeing your pants you could stop now okay because David's here okay he says your servant will go and fight with this Philistine oh yeah let's pray God we are grateful for these stories that were written for our experience and for our education and for us to learn from this is what they're, they're written for us what the New Testament says so God let it be so today in Jesus name we pray and we all say amen, amen. let's go through four things a day number one the first thing in the ri- these are risky risky um, realities when it comes to stretching and stepping out in David's life first off it's the start that stops us number one you know it's, it's the start that stops us um, read the, let's read the, let me read the verse here verse 24 it says when all the men of Israel saw the man saw the giant 
they fled from him and were greatly afraid. In other words, they're at the battle line, in battle array, going to fight. They look at him and they run. In other words, it's a start that stops us. Have you ever noticed that in life? It's always a start that stops us for the most part. How many of us think about this? How many of us, great idea, going to do it, feel like it's God, and you talk yourself out of it? Anybody? Yeah. Remember the cowardly lion? He goes, just do me one favor. What's that? Talk me out of it. Remember that? <laughs> I forgot about that. Somebody in first service said, you should use that. I go, okay, I will. It sounds good to me. How many of us in this room, you're going to step out, do this, and you second guess yourself? And you second guess yourself? And you second guess yourself? And you second guess? And you second guess? And you second guess? How many of you are perfectionists in this room? Now, I'm all for perfectionists because I'd rather have you perform the surgery on me than anyone else. Am I right? We need you perfectionists. Well, you know, his cauter... I don't even know the words. His artery. <laughs> you know, it looks like the flux capacitor. Can somebody give me a wrench? You know. No, I need a real, a real surgeon, okay? I need perfectionists in that room right there. But isn't it true about you perfectionists that uh, it's a start that stops you because you need... A, every T crossed, every I dotted, everything in place that you know you can control every step of the way. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And, and it's not going to work like that always in life, right? Sometimes, especially in the faith, you just got to step out at a certain point or else somebody's going to jump in ahead of you, right? And, and so you got you to step out. It's typically the start that stops us. So what's our doubt in that moment in your notes? We doubt the presence of God. I'm not going to step out, second guess everything because I doubt the presence of God. Listen. You don't want to live in what if this doesn't work because later on in life, you're going to regret and say, what if I had stepped out? Am I right? I don't want, I don't want any of that in my life. No, point number two in your notes. The risky reality is this. Reward lives across the street from risk. It always does. Reward always lives across the street from risk in my life. Now, 1 Samuel 17, 25 says this. The men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who's coming up? Surely he's coming up to defy Israel. They're talking about Goliath. And it will be that the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. In other words, you take the risk, you get big reward. Follow me so far? You take the big risk, you get big reward. Follow me so far? Okay. You guys don't know what that means, right? It means I'm going to say something I really want to say that I've been thinking about for three, four weeks. Um, listen to everything I'm going to say right now um, because I'm a, I have concerns um, between what we believe we go with the culture versus Christ. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Be careful. There's too many cliches out there and too many people saying things that are just cliches. And it's not Christ. Um, greater we risk, uh, greater the risk, greater the reward. Okay, let me, let me make sure I say that all this right. <clears throat> There's this idea out there in the culture that certain peoples are disadvantaged. Now, I agree that in certain pockets here and there in America, yeah, but I don't agree with it wholeheartedly the statement at all I'm a Mexican American I could easily agree with that statement but I don't I'm a person that uh, believes I still live in a great country and and, I, and and 
because all I have to do is go visit a third world country and I'll come back feeling like this is the greatest place in the world. You know, but we're, this whole thing out there is like we're disadvantaged, we're disadvantaged. Wait a minute here. Then why is everybody from all over the world trying to come here if we're so disadvantaged? Because they see the advantages here, huh? They see that you can get ahead here. See, the people that have lived here too long, they start to complain that, no, we're disadvantaged. My big concern is, if you're listening to that versus instead of Christ, and you start thinking, I'm disadvantaged, and like I said, there are probably pockets here and there for sure people are disadvantaged in America. But if I start believing that, then I'm going to start thinking people owe me stuff, huh? That I don't have to work for anything. If I started believing that, let me tell you about my mom. Ever tell you about my mama? If I started telling my mama, well, I'm disadvantaged, mom, people need to give me stuff. Here's what my mom, here's her teeth. Here's what you just, you need to shut up. You need to just, you just need to work. And that's what she would do. Anybody have a mama like that? And she slapped me silly. You know we're going to give you nothing? Nobody going to give you nothing. Double negative, okay? You go out and work for that thing. You go out and do it. Because you have great opportunity here in America. Now, and how do I, how do I know this is possible? You know, how do I know there's this great reward, greater the risk? I watched my... Did I ever tell you about my mother? <laughs> my mother was 52 years old. Up until that moment, she had you know, worked different jobs. But me growing up, I was 13 at the time, all I'd ever known is that she worked at the Sunkiss plant there in Cornwall, when it's still here. She used to pack oranges. Anybody have any grandparents that used to pack oranges here? You remember those days? Okay, that was my mother. She packed oranges. And then at age 52, she makes a decision that she's going to leave that and she's going to take the American dream in a capitalistic environment and she's going to start a business. She starts a restaurant. Some of you remember the family restaurant, La Cabana? My mother started that in 69. And she hit it, man. And money was coming in. Baby of the family. You don't think I got everything? Most of my siblings were gone. It was like, okay. All right. America, I love you. And it launched out and all these things happened and we all were blessed because of it. You know, that, you know, I'm privileged now. Because I'm Mexican and privileged now because of my mother, you know. And then I saw that, and so, and I had to think about my own life, how disadvantaged I was. I'm not. And then I, I, I had to think, like, when I was growing up, the house that we moved in from across town, those old Cronin people, we lived on Ramona Street, we moved across town to Bolero Street, which is, it was, here's my front door, here's the street, and there's the freeway, 91. That's how I grew up. So, you know, all I heard was freeway all the time. And uh, when we moved in there, the street was a dirt street. It wasn't even paved. And I grew up in that environment there. And then I grow up and you know, I become a Christian at 23. And then around uh, age, uh, I think it was like 28, God drops a thought on my head, go, go you're going to be a senior pastor. Okay. And then eight years later, God comes back on that word, says time for you to move, time for you to take a step, time for you to take a risk. Okay. And now I planted the church out of my home and this and that and set up and tore down in schools for 13 years. Now I walk the grass out there and I'll pray sometimes and I look at all this and I'm thinking, how in the world did this happen? It was God who put a thought in my head because I'm so disadvantaged. And all this happened and all these people have been blessed and I got to experience stuff. 
And, you know, and I'm re- and I, you know, I, I received the, a great reward because of all the risk. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. See, some of you in this room, they're, they're trying, in America, they're trying to make you feel bad because you started a business and took all the risk. That really bothers me. You're the one who put it all up and took the risk. I understand that. But they're trying to make you feel bad over it. You know what I tell people who come and tell me, uh, you know, you need to do this in the church. You need to do this. I go, listen, listen. When I was younger, I wasn't so bold, but now I'm pretty bold. I say things like this. I say, look. I said, when you go out and you start a church and you go through hell and high water and make no money for eight years and you have people in your face telling you how wrong you are and you keep going at it, going at it, going at it, going at it, and you do it for 27 years and you see all that God does and all the strain and all the pressure of all this happening, then you can go ahead and say what should be done, right? But until you've done that, don't come and tell me what should happen because you've never done this. You don't know the background of it. I'm telling you this, listen, young people, the greater the risk, the greater the reward. You gotta go out and work for it. Now here's what I'm, I'm bringing it all to this thought right here. Here, here's what happens to the Christian we start believing the culture rather than Christ the Bible teaches God says this in Psalm 75 God raises up one and puts down another God says in Revelation I open a door no one can close and I close a door no one can open who is running the show here it's God God opens a door the question is will I step through the door the question is will I work hard enough to risk the question is, will I do something about it or will I play the victim and say, oh, I'm disadvantaged. I'm disadvantaged. I'm disadvantaged. You need to do something for me. No, you need to shut up and work is what you need to do. You need, you need to do something like that. Did I move the chair back over? I wasn't even done. No, I'm just joking. So, you know, the greater, the, the reward lives across you from risk. You, you can't play the victim. You got to go out and get it, my friends. So what's the doubt we have to cross in this one? We doubt a positive outcome. I don't want to risk because what... You, gotta, you can't doubt a po- the positive outcome anymore. Now, number three in your notes, and that's this. This one is a fun one too. You go, that last one was a fun one? This is even funner. Okay. Success breeds complacency and complacency breeds failure. Okay. I want to stand up on this one. So David, um, David, if you follow his life, uh, David, he, he's successful as a shepherd boy, you know, David, he, uh, he comes and kills Goliath and then they sing songs about him. David has slain his 10,000. And then David becomes a general uh, over Israel. And then David becomes king. And David expands the kingdom. You th- would you say that David is successful? I would. Very successful man. And then at age 50, or thereabouts, we be- commentators believe age 50. In 2 uh, Samuel chapter 11, David, in the springtime, he doesn't go to battle like he does every year. He stays home. And when he stays home, he's up on his rooftop because he's the king, his house is the highest. And he looks down and he sees a woman bathing nude down there. Remember the story? Her name's Bathsheba. And he looks there and he tells his sidekicks, his guys, go, go get her for me, I want her. Now she's married to a man, some other man, one of his soldiers. But David takes her, commits adultery with her, she gets pregnant, then he's got to murder the husband to make it look like I could take her, marry her, and that's why she had a kid for me. Here's the problem. It all happened because David was so successful, and then one day he got complacent at age 50. And because he got complacent, it led to failure. There are some things that concern me in church, church people. 
as I, as I observe and watch, I, I, you know, I got to ask a question then I'm going to make the statement. Hey, uh, what's your level of service or involvement in local church, the kingdom of God, today compared to five or ten years ago? What's your level of involvement? If you're decreasing, you're not going out to battle anymore. And now you have plenty of time like David, and tell me if this is not true for a lot of us. But once we have so much time, see, David goes back into an old hang-up because he's got concubines and all kinds of wives. He says, I need a little bit more of that. See, then we have too much time, we have all the success, and now we get complacent, and I start to dabble back into some old area I was delivered from. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Don't say yes. Or just and we say things to ourselves like, I can handle it, or I have freedom to do this. Oh, really? I thought I had freedom from that, not back to that. And then we go back into it and back into it. And then pretty soon we find ourselves going down that road. Down, and then we're no longer successful anymore. At least not in God's eyes. It's not that he doesn't love us. Not that we're not still saved. But now we're beginning to fail because we're not what we used to be. Because we got caught in a time frame where it's like, well, I've done plenty and now I'm coast or how, whatever you want to call it. And that's where David's at. You see, here's the doubt that we face in that one right there we doubt the need to stretch has anybody here noticed for me I know it's true the older I get I need to stretch out has anyone noticed that I go to the gym and man I stretch right afterwards because if I don't that middle of the night I'm cramping up and I can't it's, it's, it's fun getting old okay I gotta, the older I get the more I need to stretch and the older you get the more you need to stretch David was 50 stop stretching you need to keep stretching my friends now the fourth thing is this the ante always increases. It always increases. How many of you grew up in poker playing families? Anybody grew up? I grew up in a poker playing family. You know what ante is, right? Not anti M, but you know an ante, okay? You ante the money, you put it in there, and it's your, what you start, start off with. Here, watch this. The ante always increases when there comes a stretching in your life. Verse 36 says this Your servant has killed both the lion and the, and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them since he has taunted the armies of the living God so look I've killed the lion I've killed the bear but now what's facing David a giant see the ante always increases it's a greater risk as you move forward in life it gets bigger and bigger with a greater risk is there more to lose you better believe there is I I still want to keep risking I still want to step out but there is a risk I could lose so much more here's what we doubt we doubt in your notes we doubt continued success See, we doubt that God is the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow, forever. You're right, exactly so. Now, let me go back to the original verses that I started off with. In 1 Ephesians 1, Ephesians 1 verse 22, 23. Let's go back to the idea. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So if I'm part of the fullness of Christ, if I walk in fullness, then am I, the question, remember the question, am I fully living? Remember that question? Anybody remember that question? Yeah, so am I stretching? Am I experiencing? Am I fully living? Or am I regressing and and not doing, not experiencing as much as I used to? Now watch what Paul says, back up four or five verses, watch what he says in that same chapter. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. In other words, open up, see the light, so that you will know what is the hope of his calling not what you or I want to do what's his calling what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints in other words I want you to open up your eyes I want you to experience new things I want you to see new ways in life does that make sense okay 
Otherwise, we begin to, well, let me say this. How many of you were here 10 years ago when I hurt my shoulder? I hurt it bad. I had to get surgery. Rotator cuff. And I had to go to um, physical therapy. Have you ever been to physical therapy? Don't you just want to shoot them? It's like, how dare them, you know? They're sitting there and they're twisting my arm all the way around while they're eating the sandwich. I'm screaming. I'm a grown man screaming, you know? But they, they told me they had to stretch it and turn it because they didn't want me to get frozen shoulder. It's a very important thing not to get that because otherwise you walk around and you can't move it. Well, they stretch it and bend it so many ways that I thought it was going to snap off, but it turns out they were right. I, there's great mobility. I don't have frozen shoulder. There's too many Christians that have frozen faith. You haven't stretched it anymore. You're not stretching out. You're not experiencing new things. Just a repetitive thing now and you re- regress. We don't want that for you here at New Beginnings. So, a month ago, um, my son Nathan, he bought me tickets to go see a, a UCLA-USC basketball game at UCLA. Of course, the other ticket was for him. But uh, <laughs> It was my Christmas present. So we went last month and I'm there. And if you've ever been to an indoor basketball game like that where they give, they give freebies away at halftime, anybody ever seen that? It used to be they'd shoot them in those things. Now they drop them in little parachutes. Have you seen that? How cute. <laughs> you know, and they're dropping these 5 or $10 um, Amazon gift cards and these little parachutes. You think any of them came near me? It never comes near me. Are you kidding me? I go, Nathan, what'd you pay for these seats? You know? And then after they all came down, then they made the announcement. There's one more parachute coming down. It has a $500 Amazon gift card in it. I thought, if it's within 30 to 40 feet of me, (laughs) that 85-year-old grandma better get out of my way (laughs) because Jimmy's diving over the top. Right? I'm going to reposition myself to get that thing right there because I want to win. You think it came near me? (laughs) Other side of the stadium. No, I didn't run, but I am fast. (laughs) But see, you got to reposition yourself. That's what David did. He repositioned himself. Didn't he? Israel is in bondage in Egypt during, you know, Exodus times. And they are repositioned through the Red Sea desert to reposition to a promised land. See, life is about stretching. Christianity is about stretching. Not getting complacent. Not letting the start stop you. The ante is bigger, yeah. But the rewards are greater. Are they not? So here's what God gave me this idea here. And sometimes this happens, sometimes it doesn't. But look at the progression. And they all start with a P. And I love when it happens, but it doesn't happen often. And I don't have the sixth P for next week, so you know. But David starts off with the with personhood his identity person P I'm a child of God then there's the presence the spirit of God is there and then from there there's preparation I've killed the lion and the bear I'll kill that guy too and then last week there was passion David runs right at the guy runs right at him. And then now, 
Now there's the portal. He's going to walk right through that portal, right through that window. He's going to kill Goliath. He's going to stretch out. And man, he's going to deliver Israel. God gave me this statement. You can keep it. You can use it for yourself. But this is in a Jim Del Campo original. Put it up on the screen, not in your notes. Stretch or be taken out on a stretcher. Stretch or be taken out on a stretcher. You can post that and say, put your name under it. You better not do that. Better give some credit here. Stretch or be taken out on a stretcher. Or else we just frozen faith. Complacency leads to failure. You want greater reward? Take greater risk. Go after it. Don't play the victim. But David did all those things and he stretched. Now stand up with me.